Hello, I'm Tim Marlowe, Artistic Director of the Royal Academy of Arts, and this event was part of the Festival of Ideas, an inspiring lineup of talks and debates with innovators from across the arts, brought to you from the new Benjamin West Lecture Theatre. Enjoy the podcast. My name's Sarah Crompton. I'm a writer and broadcaster, mainly about dance, which makes me very pleased to be at this session of the uh, second RA Festival of Ideas to introduce you to one of the most distinctive and exciting talents in choreography in this country and indeed in the world of dance. Um, Hoffa Schechter, if you've ever seen a piece by him, you'll know exactly what I mean when I say that he, he grabs you by the throat um, and then hits you in the guts and then sends you spinning out into the night with your um, idea, with ideas whirring around your brain and your eardrums slightly bursting with the loudness of the music. Um, he was born in Israel and danced with the Batsheva Dance Company before coming to Europe um, to pursue a career as a drummer, hence the loud music. Um, he ran out of money and so he had to take up dancing again with the Jasmine Vardiman Company. But by 2004, he was making his own work. And by 2008, he had formed his own company, which is now enjoying worldwide success. He's the only choreographer I can think of who has had his own four-week festival in venues across London, ranging from the Royal Opera House to Brixton Academy. His works are always instantly recognisable. Uh, full of darkness and existential doubt, but the experience of watching them is never depressing. Um, the steps are so thrilling and the movements so propulsive. Um, he's made seven dance pieces for his own company and he's also choreographed operas and ballets and dance pieces for companies across the world, including the Royal Ballet and Paris Opera Ballet. His most famous work, probably, is the very short sequence which opened the Channel 4 series Skins, and he was Tony nominated for his choreography for Fiddler on the Roof. We're in the business of inspiring people. I want to change lives like my life was changed, he said. So we're going to talk about that, and then I'll come to you for your questions. Let me introduce Hoffa Schechter. That was a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd get the information out of the way before we started. Yeah, it's more information than I know about myself. <laughs> the numbers were good. Um, Tell me about that um, quotation, which is on your website, in fact. We're in the business of inspiring people. I want to change lives um, like my life was changed. How did dance change your life? How did that begin? Well, I got in, in contact with dance uh, in the beginning when I was a child. Uh, I, I grew up in Jerusalem. and. Um, like everybody that is growing up in Israel, you, are, you have, uh, sorry, you have uh, folk dance classes every week, um, once a week. So I think from the age of uh, six, uh, I had, I was forced to dance in uh, uh, folk dance uh, classes. 
and I really, really hated it, actually. <laughs> I really, I, I found it uh, embarrassing. Um, you know, my friends were mocking me personally for dancing like a robot or whatever. You know, and I had no, um, I had no real connection with my body, actually, at that point, uh, or, or any kind of awareness. Um, and through these folk dance uh, classes, I, I mean, do you want the long story, or you know, yeah, where are we yeah, going with that? Yeah, medium long. Go on, okay. you've got time. I'll do the long story, I'll do it quick. <laughs> um, one of my best friends um, told me that there is this uh, youth folk dance company, and that they are the coolest thing in the world because uh, you get to travel around the country and even abroad sometimes to festivals. Now, when I was a kid, traveling abroad was a big deal. I, you know, it didn't happen to me. It happened to me once, you know? And, um, so I thought, cool, let's go to the audition. And we went and auditioned for this youth uh, folk dance company. That's already, I'm um, sort of, I think, uh, 11 years old. And uh, like in every good fairy tale, you know, they didn't take him, they took me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that looks really cool, actually. I'm going to stay, if you don't mind. And I joined this uh, company. And I have to say, uh, the thing that attracted me the most about that kind of company was the social side. I mean, I came from a very small part of Jerusalem and suddenly meeting a lot of people from different kinds, from different areas of, uh, of Jerusalem and different kind of people and the idea of traveling. I mean, dance was a bit of a secondary thing. Um, but we can go deeper into dance later or, you know, I'll just continue. That there was something about feeling uncomfortable with dance that attracted me to it. So in a way, I wanted to crack it. I wanted to feel comfortable in my body. I felt that there is a potential there uh, to open up something in, in one's personality or in, in, you know, dance is connected to freedom. So I kind of, it was a way of liberating myself in a way. Mm -hmm. um, not conscious thoughts at that age, but that feeling that there is something there that, uh, that is beyond what I understand and how I experience my body and the world and relationships with people and so on. Um, well, we went really deep and far really quickly. Okay. As you often do. So, so but you, you then sort of, so you do pursue your career, you do contemporary dance, study contemporary dance and find yourself in Batsheva, which of course is the great um, Israeli dance company. Yeah. But then you sort of run away from that as well because um, you, when you do come to Europe, you're thinking that you want to be a drummer. So at what point, what point does that, that thought come in that drumming is more exciting than, than dance? And I, um, there was a point in Batsheva where I was questioning whether I tumbled into the world of dance or did I choose it? So it's kind of around the age of 21, you you, as people sometimes do, struggle with the idea whether, you know, it was my life a choice or did it just happen? I don't know if there is really a difference. I mean, who knows <laughs> if is. when you make a choice is actually your choice or not. But, um, and I, I was struggling with that for a while. I didn't feel like I really want to be a dancer and I felt that there is a world out there, especially the world of music, which is my first contact point with art, that is happening and that I'm, I, it felt like I'm missing something. Um, 
and I wanted to go back to the world of music and somehow I always wanted to study percussion and drums and I just went into it. I mean, it was absolutely random. To call it a choice is a bit of an overstatement somehow. Mm, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I just went into the world of, of uh, drumming and it, I, I really didn't know what I want to do with life, you know, and I think you're actually a very coherent uh, assessment of my life when I arrived to London, which was also a, a random arrival, no, no big plans or anything, was that, uh, I mean, you all must know London, I ran out of money very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, here is something about choices. I mean, this is, I just had to do something that pays the bills, you know, mm -hmm. and gets food into my mouth. And um, I was a professional dancer. It, it's just what I was. And I, and I was kind of pulled back, uh, you know, by hook and by crook to the, uh, to the world of dance. But it seems to me as well that it's the moment that you start to make dance, which is, so you, you dance with Jasmine for a couple of years, but you, yeah. you quite quickly start to make dance. And that, I mean, I don't know from the outside, that seems to me the moment that you, you do start to make choices, that you do, that dance starts to be something by which you are going to communicate with the world. Is that, um, is that true? You made, the first piece you made was, uh, well, the first piece we saw, actually, which is probably not the first piece you made, but the first piece that sort of crosses the, the kind of public consciousness is cult, yeah. which you do at the place yeah. in 2004, and which presciently wins the audience prize. They yeah. didn't win the professional prize, no. but people the mistake audience. For many times, people mistake. They tell me, oh, you won the place prize. I love that kind of mistake. I go with it. I say, yeah. <laughs> But in a way, it shows it was a very direct connection with the audience. Yeah. Did you feel that you'd found, you know, your meteor, you'd found where you were at that point? I mean, starting to choreograph was um, very scary. And it was something that I knew that I wanted to do for a long time, for a few years, you know, and, and I just didn't. I was too scared to start. Um, choreographing as well comes with a lot of organizational hazards, you know, you need, uh, well, you need money, but you need space, you need where to perform and people and dancers, it's a very complex thing, but I stayed away uh, from it for a while and I have to say that the, quite honestly, the most exciting thing about making work for me in the beginning was being able to put my music in a theater with a lot of people listening to mm -hmm. it. So um, I knew that I'm a professional dancer and I knew that my dancing level is to a, a level that will allow my work to perform even just in small scale at least. Um, but uh, creating music started to be something that really excited me and something about the, uh, I mean, you know, creating music is a very creative thing and uh, there is like an ocean of possibilities there. That really excited me. So I have to say, making the first piece it really gave me a thrill that my music is going to be playing in a theater. The dance was kind of like it was another thing. Uh, but, you know, in a way, it maybe took off the pressure from the dance. It took off the pressure from choreographing something really, you know, there is nothing, uh, you're a writer, you must know it, we all know it, there is nothing worse than thinking, I must do something really excellent now. Yeah. Okay, let's start. <laughs> it's, you know, there is nothing that kills the joy more than that and the, and the pleasure of the thing um, and the quality. So I think there was something about 
putting so much emphasis on the music and enjoying the music and just doing uh, some dance for it, um, which made me kind of, you know, if you compare it to tennis, hit the ball very freely. Um, so, so yeah, that was the starting point. And then, of course, I saw the amazing potential of dance and the imagery and the energy and the, and the, the complexity of dance and how you can play with people's minds and feelings uh, with it. And you then have this extraordinary moment, really, that um, you're the only person this ever happened to, that all the dance organizations in London get together and they decide that they will allow you to accelerate one work mm. over a, a year. Yeah, um, or was it a bit Six months. Over six months. Yeah. So you start in a very small venue, the place, it moves to the South Bank, it ends up in Sadler's Wells, which is nearly a thousand seats. A thousand four hundred. A thousand four hundred seats. Yeah, we worked really and hard to sell these tickets. <laughs> they called it the London Escalator. Yeah. And um, they divide, all these dance people divide it, but they've only ever put you on it. Um, they wanted to call it the Schechter Escalator. <laughs> And then they said, ooh, maybe it will become a system that, <laughs> yeah, that never happened. Never happened. Yeah. But what did happen for you is having been somebody that nobody had seen, you were, you know, performing in a 400-seat theatre, you then make um, in your rooms in 2007, and it ends up in Sadler's Wells, and, like, everybody is suddenly calling you the future of dance. Yeah. What was that process like? What, what did it feel like? Uh, as I was creating the work? Yes, or... and then as it arrives. Mm. Let's start from the end. I mean, I did think it's possibly one of the worst beginnings to a career uh, in the sense of, you know, um, I was like, you know, they're going to burn me alive one day. You know, the, it was such a quick rise to, to the public domain of contemporary dance internationally. Like, that happened, and the following year, my company was my company didn't exist and was formed f because of the demand and we were touring internationally as much as we're touring now which, which i also feel very blessed that after 10 years we're still touring like that but it was incredible and in the same time very worrying in the sense of um, uh, maintaining the interest and maintaining this kind of powerful exchange if to be more spiritual uh, with my audience you know i, I felt like um, uh, we delivered something very powerful, very exciting, very moving, and there was something, yeah, worrying about it. But that, that's, you know, that's the day after the performance at Sadler's Wells where you go, what just happened? That was insane. Um, I suppose the beginning of it, uh, which starts with John Ashford that used to run the Place Theatre, which is a small theatre for dance in London, coming to me and saying, listen, we came up with this project, blah, 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 you're going to perform here, then in Queen Elizabeth Hall, and then in Sadler's Wells. It's going to take half a year. Great. Um, I suppose that was very worrying as well. I suppose <laughs> my life is, is uh, full of worry. It's part of the, comes with the personality disorder. And um, I, I mean, I, he said, what do you think? And I immediately said, yes, I mean, I thought that's, that's a door that opens once in a lifetime. Mm. I went home and didn't sleep for a week because I kind of thought, first of all, how? Let's, you know, thinking about the artistic uh, side of it, how, how do I, what do I do? I mean, I have the stage also creating for a small 
scale and then for middle scale and mid scale and big scale it's it's a very different feeling it's a very different energy between you know the 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 how to say chamber concert feeling and uh, you know a big house so that worried me artistically i thought i have nothing to say actually i mean i i don't know it, it's very hard with dance you don't start with like uh, um I don't know, an agenda or kind of an idea. That's what I want the audience to feel. So, um, yeah, it was quite scary mm. to begin with. So there was a kind of a week where I was thinking, mm. and I also thought, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a mathematical level, I thought I would be so exposed that it will be, it's either go or stop. I mean, I either, either my career and my opportunities to continue and create will thrive and will continue from there and I, you know, uh, or it will just be the end, you know. Um, but you know, it, it really depends on which part of your mind or which part of my mind we are connecting to now because you, you can think about anything and be really worried about it, you know, there is a path, be really excited, think about inspiration, about love and sharing and the world and you can go anywhere, you know. Um, but I was trying to cover all the possibilities, you know, as the project was proposed. Um, the, the big, the important part is that it felt like a really amazing opportunity to do something powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, with myself, with my life, and in connection with sharing it with people. And, and that's, the, that's the part that I was trying to prod inside myself and, and you know, uh, encourage. And how, I mean, that, that was your first piece. You've gone on to make many pieces since. But how do you start a piece? Is it quite often still a muse, music? Is it still a, a, a phrase or how do you begin? Um, it, it's not music. It's, uh, it starts with a kind of uh, a general vision let's put it like that, an atmosphere, a feeling, you know. Um, is this vague enough? Uh, <laughs> write it down. Um, um, there is no way, you know, you look back at the piece, so, so you know, you said it was my first piece, but it wasn't, it was my fourth. <laughs> but everybody related, you know, when I did Cult, they said, that's your first piece, wait, the second one is really hard. I did Uprising, then people said, that's your first piece, yeah. the second one is really hard, and so on. So, um, you know, the point is uh, for me to connect to a certain atmosphere or feeling that exists inside me at the, at the current time. Sorry, my, my point was looking back at pieces, they can appear very coherent. Uh, and you're thinking when you're at the starting point, you're thinking, how do I create such a coherent journey? Mm -hmm. Like lo looking forward at a mountain, thinking, how do I climb all the way? And the, the answer is, there is just no way to know how the mountain will look like until you just start stepping. It's a very boring, very tedious, very um, tiring and very exciting process. So it really starts from trying to dig into what I feel, what I think, what interests me, what moves me at the moment that I'm starting to create the piece. That moment 
is just a decision. Um, I say, okay, today I start. Um, because there is a deadline, of course, <laughs> otherwise time doesn't exist. But I say, today I start and I open a notebook and I start to write literally garbage, just everything that comes to my head. And then I start to identify what is actually moving and interesting for me. And I start working from that. So I would say for about 60% um, of the process, looking at it in time, uh, chronologically, there is, this, there is a, a situation of creating material, creating garbage, creating more and more and more and uh, associative thinking and music and then movements in the studio and bouncing ideas and it's just a mess. It's just like a mountain. It comes from that feeling and I try to connect everything to the feeling but I let it expand as far as it can go. And the following 40%, 30 20 depends how much you want to cut it close to the premiere day, to the deadline. Then there is the, the situation of throwing what you don't need and you know, tying things together and finding coherence, finding focus, and finding a, a journey inside the piece. Um, and, and, we th and I throw a lot of material away, a lot. I mean, I would say we're probably creating about if, if we're creating 100% material, we're throwing about 80% and keeping 20 for the piece. And you, you told me once that once, I, I don't know if you do it for all of them, but certainly those early pieces that mm -hmm. once you got into the studio with the dancers, you would have a phrase of um, sound, of uh, yeah. drums, yeah. or of, uh, I think one was a violin, mm -hmm. and that you just played it repetitively that in the studio until your dancers yeah. went mad. Unfortunately <laughs> for the dancers, that still happens. There is a matter of uh, when you deal with energy, which is a slippery thing, uh, a flexible and a smoky thing. Um, I like thinking about it a little bit like uh, talking about dreams uh, or trying to retain uh, a dream, a feeling from a dream. So you can write down what happened in the dream. You can write down how it felt or some imagery or, and so on. And it's a little bit like that when you try to capture a feeling into movement, dance into imagery. And I would love my work to, to behave like a dream, you know. Um, there is a, a something of trying to distill this feeling into imagery, words, and so on. And music is quite good like that. Music is very powerful with uh, feelings, you know, and quite good in distilling feelings. And um, so I experiment a lot with music. I record a lot of music, either work with other people, with myself, voice, guitar, drums, carpets, everything goes, you know, to try to find that to try to connect to that um, initial germ, the, the idea or the atmosphere or the feeling that I'm trying to connect to. Once I feel that a music phrase hit that chord, it's never really that chord because once you create, I mean, things are never what you want them to be. But once I feel, well, that's a powerful thing that happened. Um, and sometimes it's not actually connected to what I wanted to do. It doesn't matter. I feel that's a really powerful source of energy. It's literally like in, in Spider-Man or Superman. I take that source of energy, I keep it, you know, and I bring it to the studio and I will create a loop of music. And, and that, to me, it feels that creating movement, listening to that music will then, you know, create a connection to that energy also through the physical, uh, you know, 
physical, in physical terms. So yeah, I played in loop. Days, yeah. weeks, hours, you know. Um, yeah, it can be three weeks working to the same loop, not developing it at all. Yeah. It's, um, there's something I really like about it. It's, it's meditative and it's like you it really, it's like, yeah, going as far and deep as you can into something. Let's have a look, just a quick look at, um, I'll let you press the green button. Okay. At, so um, not the red, yeah? <laughs> grand yeah. Finale, which is your most recent work, but which um, will let us then talk about your style. quality of the movement is quite unlike anything else. And I've, I've been lucky enough to watch you make some work and you have a way of, you ask your dancers to do, to move quietly quite often. What, so where is the movement coming from? What, what, hmm. where do those ideas come from to get that kind of very distinctive style? You wouldn't know it was by you, um. even you weren't sitting introducing it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we can talk about moving quietly because I really, I do really like it. And um, moving quietly uh, connects uh, me, and I and I feel that telling people to move quietly um, connects them to their instinct, to something that is connected to survival for me. So let's talk in uh, jungle terms. Uh, you are in a deer, and you don't want to be eaten by the lion. And, and the, the, the energy of moving quietly is something that is about staying alive, being efficient, uh, you know, instinct. Um, so, you know, that's for me a very powerful way of connecting to the body. Once you are connected to your instinct, you're connected to very deep emotions for me. Um, um, whatever wants to come out. It's, 
The idea is to create a liberated machine, you know, the body that can express what comes to surface, that what wants to come to surface. Uh, the idea is to create a really oiled, able, and unblocked machine. And we are blocking ourselves in many ways, mostly mental. I mean, it starts from the head. Uh, we talked about tennis for a moment there, and I love tennis. Pop has taken up tennis. Yeah, I must talk about tennis. <laughs> I mean, Federer is so handsome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, he's amazing. Um, in tennis, I find it the same. I mean, the idea of what you think is what happens, and, and the idea of mentally being able to liberate yourself, uh, to unblock yourself so that your body can perform. And in dance, I find it very, very similar or in creating movements that there are so many problems that you have to deal with. I mean, we can talk about the simple judgment uh, of whether what you do is good or not, the different voices you have in your head into what's the meaning of what I'm doing and you know, why do I want to say that and how would people respond to that and where does this leave me in the world? And there is like, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, problems and, and um, blocks that you can get into. Um, for me, the creative process, it's almost the essence of it, is to liberate myself from that part and to be able to connect to the body and to the instinct and see what comes. Let's analyze it later. Yeah. You know, let's talk about it later, but first it has to happen. There's something so powerful about that and so much more intelligent so many times than kind of making a decision about what you want to do with your body or with a piece. So I, I'm really careful not to make decisions uh, when I create in the studio with the dancers early on. Connect to a feeling, but not to a conclusion. If I, if I am, you know, coming to say, you know, uh, war is bad, it's, it's going to be a very, you know, or life is sad, <laughs> it's going to be a very boring uh, dance piece. You know, dance, allows you to go into a level of complexity that is beyond this kind of statement. Um, so where did we even start that question? Well, I asked you about moving quietly, but then going on from that, the, the other point that I made is that, that you are willing in dance terms to deal with um, both difficult subjects. I mean, political mother is you know, essentially about the danger of certain types of political systems. You, um, Grand Finale has got this extraordinary kind of apocalyptic sense of people almost literally dancing on the deck of the Titanic, you know, and you are willing to go into those areas. What draws you to that kind of sense that dance can handle these, these darker subjects? I think, again, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, I'm allowing myself to go wherever it goes. And, uh, you know, um, I think dance is one of the best forms of art to deal with stuff like death, actually. You know, when you, we are, I mean, death, we know nothing about it other than it's going to happen. But it's such a mysterious... Um, Thing that is going to happen to us and dance is such a mysterious thing and it deals with thoughts and feelings that you cannot conclude, you know. 
Um, and in that way, you just, you, you, dance is about experiencing stuff and not concluding for me. And by bringing imagery, say, that is connected to death and to how people deal with death or with the fear of death or with the, whatever, you know, a lot of feelings rise. And you get an opportunity in a dance piece, like in a dream, to experience your feelings uh, without conclusion. Um, you can have a sense of conclusion. It's not a real conclusion. I mean, people after dance pieces, a lot of times, try to conclude uh, what was the piece about and what they felt. Um, I recommend not to. You know, for you, it will be very difficult. It's your job to conclude. Uh, and to, you know, put it into a form of words and definitions. I, I recommend generally not to. I recommend to leave the, the performance uh, confused um, and to stay inside the world of sensations and, 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 and feelings um, because I think that, that's, the, that's the power of dance and the power of dance to deal with really complex issues that have no conclusion. Like, you know, dealing with death, even dealing with whatever political, you know, a political world, whatever that means. I, I don't know exactly what that means, but, you know, dealing with politics, uh, as we experience firsthand now in the Brexit situation, I mean, it has no conclusion. There is no way to actually absolutely define what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. That's the truth. Um, to deal with these kind of feelings of confusion or anger or hope and so on, I think dance is you know, bang on. Mm. So um, dance is really bad in, in bringing, bringing along a conclusion, you know, and when people look for it in dance, then there's a problem. Does that link with your instinct to make dance um, more like a, a, a gig as, a, a, as less, I mean, less a sort of, it is a theatrical experience, but your instinct has been, it seems to me, to break out and to take dance to big venues and, as I say, have incredibly loud scores mm. and to make the um, experience in many ways more like, um, yeah, a rock concert or, or a concert. I mean, and, you know... With it, I it, mean, f first of all, I enjoy this kind of... <laughs> I enjoy music concerts, so that's one thing. The other thing is... Um, uh, maybe how, I, how we got there is not so important because there was a path getting into these kind of performances. What I love about it is that audience behaves differently relatively to the theater that they're in or the venue. So the first time we did it, we did it in the Roundhouse in London. It was such an incredible experience. I love the Roundhouse. I always wanted to perform there as a rock star. Unfortunately, I arrived as a choreographer, uh, you know, drove the luck. Um, but uh, before it started, and we, I prepared the show and I enjoyed every second of it and I thought, wow, that's going to be a blast. The audience doesn't know that before the show starts. Um, before the show started, the lights went down and the audience went shouting like, and they were standing. The idea was that the audience is standing and it came from a very simple thing that a lot of people told me, I sit in your performances, the music really makes me want to move and I feel constrained to my chair, mm. da, da, da. And I thought, well, let's have people watch it standing up. That's quite a simple solution. Let's see how that works. But the amazing thing that because it was a rock venue, the audience was already in the mood. They, they were shouting. They were, it, they were completely involved, you know. Um, 
for me, that was amazing to see how the experience is different. And also, a lot of people that came for the music and ended up uh, stuck with watching contemporary dance and enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, so it was about how you, how you feel. I, I don't think it cheapens the information or the, or the quality or anything. I mean, it's about how you do it. Um, and yeah, there was something amazing for me that it was about the context. And because people came to it with that context, they thought, hmm, contemporary dance can be really, really interesting, powerful, focused. It, I can relate to it, you know, I can see myself. And I, I really love that we are breaking the convention of uh, seeing contemporary dance in a theater. Now that's, uh, it's a big, I don't want to call it a problem, but it's a big thing. I mean, contemporary dance belongs in, in a theater. Uh, you know, I would safely say 95% of the audience will be middle class, be it in England or anywhere else in the world. You know, it's a very, it's a niche uh, art form. Uh, maybe art is a niche thing that is for middle class and upper classes, but this is something I struggle with, actually. The idea that, uh, I mean, I'm not coming from, uh, I, uh, I have a lot of conversations with people about classes and where better to have that conversation than in England, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, class is a big thing. Um, you have to work your accents a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't. But you know, accent is everything in England, and it gives it gives away your your class and and so on. Um, I struggle with it because for me, dance is something very um, tribal, very much that is connected to I don't know how to say to very to the very human essence of people. Uh, and the fact that a lot of it is performed to a very certain slice of society and is looked at through that filter, I, I find it problematic, but uh, you know, I, I can't completely solve it, but doing these kind of performances make me feel uh, that I'm doing something you know, towards breaking that idea that contemporary dance belongs to middle class. And also, it, it emphasizes what you're saying, that kind of visceral. I mean, I think it would be hard to come out of one of your performances uh, and not just kind of, of, of in a funny way, even if you haven't liked it and not actually been sort of touched by it, it's got yeah. a, and that's what, that's the other thing you love, isn't it? That idea that it's, it's a kind of that night in that place, you are seeing this thing. It's an, yeah, it's an experience. I, I like experiences that poke and question. And I think uh, for people to stay indifferent is the worst thing that can happen to me. Um, it's really, it's not about the movements or the dance or the visual or the sound. It's about the emotional experience and the perhaps somewhat intellectual journey that people have of paradoxes and problems and questions. I mean, the work will put a small or a big question or a set of questions on stage, uh, in essence, and will make people battle with it. I like that. I, I, I think, uh, for me, that's an exciting piece of art uh, that's, that moves you. And like you said, if someone, equally, if someone hated it or loved it, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I, it's the art of movement. You know, it's about creating a movement inside someone and um, hate or love, whatever, it's not really, it's not really important. I mean, it's um, it's about having people having emotional response. That's uh, yeah. 
And the other area in which you, um, it seemed to me, have worked quite hard to break down um, barriers to contemporary dance is, is in working with young people. Yeah. And you've made that very much part of what you do. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about um, that? I mean, the, because of the nature of the work, it's uh, accessible to many kinds of people and to many ages. So, you know, people that love music, theatre, um, dance, art, and then young people. Because, well, I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's loud, maybe because it's... Uh, uh, ballsy, is this okay to say? I liked actually in your first thing that you say he grabs people in the throat. Uh, a word <laughs> that grabs you in the throat. I thought, oh. Um, but um, there is something about how raw the work is that I think young people connect to. They, mm. they, don't, like thing, they don't like things with too much makeup and, and uh, mannerism and stuff. They like you know, young people like when something is just said like it is, and that's for them, you know, they feel empowered, I think. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. The other thing is that obviously dance changed my life. It just did because of the, the path that it created for me to liberate myself from um, many things, be it, uh, uh, how to say, um, emotional, mental, being free, air in front of people, myself, expressing myself, and getting the hell out of Israel and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's important that young people see that there are, there are options. There are just options. They can choose, but there are different options uh, with what you can do with your life and how you can do it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we're doing a lot of work with young people. One of the most important things that I feel that we're doing is uh, a sort of a younger company. We call it Schechter 2. It's like a second company. And it's for people that uh, graduated uh, from, uh, you know, a high education of dance. But that kind of getting from being a graduate of dance into a professional dance company is actually a massive step. Like, you need a bridge. You need to, because... You have no experience, you know, it's you, 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 and you actually don't know how to deal with professional situations many times. So we created a company for people up to the age of uh, 25. We're, do it one, we're doing it once every two years, you know, uh, because it's what we can. It's uh, expensive and difficult and blah. Um, but I find this project really inspiring. It's... Um, you know, it's amazing for the people that participate. It's amazing for the dancers in my company that get to be inspired. And I mean, these are people that come hungry to learn and to express themselves and so on. So, you know, we have a, about a thousand people coming to auditions. It's open auditions because CV doesn't mean much when you graduate. You know, it basically says, I was born and then I went to university. I mean, it's like... Um, <laughs> so... And, and it also solves something for the company. You know, there is a lot of positives to it, which is the, the, I create for the younger company uh, work that can perform in smaller theaters. So the company is big, and uh, some venues cannot have us. It's too expensive, it's too complicated uh, technically. So these are works that are meant as well for more people to be able to see the work. Um, but yeah, I find creating these kind of paths for people, and then again, they can choose to take it or not, and, and showing young people that there are different ways to live life. It's really as simple as that. You can be an accountant, and it's great if you love it, okay? 
that, that's my opinion. Maybe it's great as well for the money. I don't know. Um, but there are, there are different ways, you know. My, we, we spoke about my daughter before, my big daughter, my elder daughter, and she's six and a half years old, and um, she asked me where did I go to university. Uh, and I told her, darling, daddy didn't go to university. <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> what? How? So what? I told her, you know, it's a different kind of life. I mean, it's, I was a dancer, and that led me to being a choreographer, and, you know, here we are. Um, and um, she said, yeah, but aren't there like universities for choreographers? Normally, you know, people don't become choreographers if they go to these universities, uh, you know, like a joke, but it's actually true. Anyway, um, it, choreography is a thing that is very difficult to learn, uh, you know, in school. It's something that you have to do. And I told her some professions are about just, you just have to experience it and do it. Um, I think it's important that people know that, you know, that they know that there are other options. You have had a sort of really, um, uh, you know, successful career, sustained. I know, you know, it, it seems probably more effortless than it ever has been. No, oh, it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Wake up in the morning, <laughs> you light the cigar, make a couple of phone calls, you know. But we, we have talked before Whiskey. that... It's hard now, you worry that it's harder, it's getting harder for people who want to make dance to get a start as choreographers. Sorry? So you, have, we, you worry that it's getting harder yeah. that for people who want to make dance, I mean, choreograph rather, yeah. and make work rather than be dancers, to actually start out and that they, the, um, problems for them are greater now yeah I think I think um, you need a level of experience as a dancer to understand what you're working with I mean in essence my work how to say my work doesn't exist it only exists on the bodies of the people that are dancing it if I don't understand how that works I don't understand the material I'm working with to be you know kind of cold about it this is like if I was a an artist that makes sculptures. I need to understand the material to understand what I can do with it. So I think if you haven't been a dancer and if you don't understand what it means to express yourself in one way or another, technically or not, virtuosically or not, um, it's very difficult to use that material. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's people we're talking about. But, you know, it's very difficult to, um, to understand the the range and to understand also what the limits are and where you can try push the limits and so on. Um, there are choreographers that started and you know, Wim van der Kibus, I mean, never danced a day in his life. Mm -hmm. He made films, he got interested in movement and he's making, you know, fascinating work. I'm not saying it's impossible, but um, I do think it makes one's life much more difficult to get into the world of choreography. Um, but there are endless uh, minefield, you know, it's a minefield doing choreography, again, I think mentally, um, and also in the sense of, I mean, what are you doing when you're a young choreographer? You want to do something that uh, people find interesting uh, and think it's good. I mean, I don't know what that means anymore, but 
but you do, you know, so you are, you're taking example from what you see around you. I mean, if someone came with something so radical that we would not even recognize as choreography, we cannot uh, applaud it as, uh, you know, as something amazing. So um, there is something about satisfying what people already know about contemporary dance, dance, what it is, and then pushing it further away from that uh, direction. And do you think people reward repetition more than they, you know, in terms of um, funding bodies and critics, um, that they I want... Think, yeah, I'm very careful speaking about <laughs> critics here. You know, it is a minefield. Um, I think because of the job of critics to be, you know, specific about writing about dance, because of their job and the necessity to... Um, to analyze and create a coherent uh, definition of what just happened, you know, on stage, they obviously will find it much more difficult, uh, sorry, much more easy to make this definition when uh, there is a clear story of what's happening on stage, uh, there is a clear message, you know, and it's very easy. and, and perhaps they feel as well more empowered and they feel, well, I got that and that's a great idea and good and that's like five stars and it's skillful and it's, you know. It's dangerous. I think that's dangerous. I think we have to question the way that we structure work. We have to question, you know, the whole idea of, of structure, beginning, middle and end. I mean, everything has beginning, middle and end, but to actually the idea of coherence in idea in the idea that you form on stage, is it, is it really important for dance? Like really, is it really important? Or is it important that you have one amazing, powerful moment inside the piece and you don't understand how the hell you got there? Mm -hmm. And then after you're thinking, oh, I don't understand what happened and the end was a bit boring. Maybe that's fine, you know. What is a really good dance piece? Yeah. You know, it's a minefield and um, the answer does not matter. And I think, but, but I think uh, in the sense of what is championed, um, it, it is very difficult, I think, for young choreographers to, to stay connected to the really important thing, which I, see, I think it's just them and their experience and how, how they can convey this experience and share it with other people. Again, you know, I'm also really against contemporary dance that is so obscure, like you just don't understand what's going on. And someone says, oh, I just felt like moving like a chicken and I moved like a chicken, the whole, I'm like, well, you know, I didn't get anything out of it. There, there has to be a level of communication. That's yeah. what's happening. Um, but I think for young creators to do excuse my French, to do whatever the fuck they want and um, feel the power of that and, and, and share that with an audience, that's the best thing they can do. Mm. I think, you know, the rest really does not matter. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all Thank for coming. You, Thank, Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, have a look at what else is coming up in our brand new lecture theatre at roy.ac forward slash what's on.